0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that when we repent in areas of disobedience in our lives, it can bring the blessing of the Lord in ways we can never imagine? Regrettably, most of us view repentance as a bad thing, when in fact, it's one of our greatest opportunities to receive blessing and healing from the Lord. Let's open our Bible to Jonah chapter 1 and see the incredible blessing and mercy available to us when we simply repent to Jesus in whatever areas we're falling short. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Monday morning here in Texas. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Loving on Jesus, praising Jesus, worshiping Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to obey Him, growing to know His love. And growing to repent where we are, where we make mistakes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we are going to continue. We're going to finish up Jonah chapter one. Today we're going to do Jonah chapter one, verses 11 through 17. And um, I am going to go ahead and read it. And then we'll pray and we'll get rolling. Normally I have my cup of coffee here. Um... But my lovely wife, May, makes me this, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but it's this awful green color drink with just, um, it's just got, I don't know how many vegetables in it. And, uh, I mean, it tastes rough. I mean, truth be told, it tastes rough. But most days she makes me this. And, I mean, this is the the honking big glass that she makes me. And I got to choke it down. And so... If I drink it while I'm doing this, it's almost like my mind will be on teaching. And so it'll be easier for me to drink it. Does that make sense? Because I'll be teaching and yeah. So anyway, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, sweetheart. Mm. Uh, Bam. I don't know why these things can't taste good. I really don't. Does it have to taste bad to be good for you? Is that a requirement? I'm just saying. Jonah chapter one, verses 11 through 17. Verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do love you. We thank you and praise you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for this book of Jonah that we get to study and meditate on and learn from, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, you were thrown overboard, Lord. You were thrown into the storm, the raging storm for us, and in you, Lord, the storm of our of our sinfulness, the storm of our spiritual death, the storm of our separation. From the triune God is just gross calm. So Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that even as the sea grew calm, when Jonah hit the sea, Lord, so the wrath of our God and Father grew calm, Lord, when you died in our place and suffered in our place and was and was punished in our place. When you were punished in our place, Lord Jesus, we just worship you and thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word, give us Eyes that see and ears that hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, Jonah, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? You recall that Jonah explained to them That, uh, you know, he had told them that he was running away from the Lord. Um, He had explained to them that he serves the one true God. uh, The God of heaven, who created the sea and the land and everything. It said in verse 10, they were terrified. Um, And so it's interesting in verse 11, that these men... They they did not know the one true God. They were not saved, as Jonah was. But it's 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 interesting. It's almost it's almost irony, right? Um, that that they don't know what to do. That the sailors don't know what to do. So do they? So they go to actually the man that they firmly believe is causing the problem. And ask him what they should do to fix the problem. And that's, that's not something we normally do, right, Corinne? It's not, we don't normally go to the person that caused the problem and ask them what should be done to fix the problem. Again, look at verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, they asked Jonah. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? If you know the one true God, in and through Jesus Christ, if you have relationship with the triune God, and you can only have relationship with the triune God, who are all the one true God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, in and through Jesus Christ, If you are in relationship with Jesus, and as a matter of course, in relationship, God the Father is your heavenly Father in Jesus. God the Son, Jesus, is your Lord, your master, your king, your savior, your friend. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is your helper, your comforter, your counselor. Um, If you are in relationship with the triune God, In and through Jesus Christ. Then you actually have the answers. To every problem in life. Yeah. If you're not in relationship with the triune God. Through Jesus Christ. You don't have the answers to anything. You cannot have the answers to anything. Because it's only in Jesus Christ. That you can have life. You can have a relationship with the triune God and that you can understand and have fellowship with the word of God, your Bible. The word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. We're studying the word of God, the book of Jonah right now. Okay, The Bible has 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, Scott, 27 in the New Testament. All of them is God's word. To us, when we read and study and meditate on the word of God and we chew on it and we pick it apart, we're looking to understand what it says and how it applies to our lives, how the principles that we find apply to us. So if you're in the word of God. And you know Jesus as your Savior, and you give yourself to relationship with Jesus and walking with Jesus and obeying Jesus and studying your Bible and meditating on your Bible, you will know the answers to whatever a situation is. And you'll know it by the Spirit of God who lives in you and the Word of God. Even if you've made the mistake. All of us as human beings have what the Bible calls a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, we we do sinful things. We think sinful thoughts, we speak sinful words, and we do sinful actions. When you become a Christian, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your only Lord and Savior, when you come to truly trust and rely on Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, Knowing your desperate need of Jesus, when you come to know what it truly means that the Bible says all human beings are sinful and in desperate need of a Savior, and that only in Jesus Christ can we be saved from our sin, come into relationship with the triune God, and ultimately go to heaven when we die, only in Christ, right? When you give your life to Jesus, right? Remember, Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called out to Jesus and asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, declaring your full trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Have you done that? Remember, it's not the words that save you. You just don't puppet words And think because you repeated some words that you're going to heaven. The words are are what we use to communicate to Jesus, right? So when it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, it's when you truly understand your need of Jesus Christ, when you understand that you're a sinful person and you're in desperate need of a savior and nothing you can do can save you and that you're hopeless and desperate. Yet you believe the word of God. You believe your Bible that said Jesus loved you so much that he came and lived a perfect life for you and died a perfect death for you, was tortured for you, and is alive and risen. And out of that understanding, out of that belief, you call out to Jesus. You run to Jesus in prayer and you call out and you say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful man or a sinful woman, and I'm hopeless, Lord. I'm desperate. I need you, Jesus. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and reliance and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. When you call out to Jesus like that, knowing your need of him, firmly desiring him throwing yourself at the foot of the cross you will be saved for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved and again the reason i say this is because there there is a perversion in the teaching of the sinner's prayer right it's been erroneously taught that if you just say the words that you'll be forgiven of your sin and you know you'll go to heaven okay now again the words are what we use obviously to communicate, but it's not the words that save us. It's Christ that saves us, right? But the words have to be genuine. You have to mean it. You have to know why you need Jesus, right? And desire him and and, and really run to him, knowing him to be your only hope and really calling out to him and asking him as, as genuinely as you can to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin. And so that's why I'm very specific in how I talk about that. Um, but once you're in that place that you know Jesus, you need to give yourself, and I need to give myself, to growing to know him better, and to walking with him more intimately, to being, to having a devotional life, spending time with Jesus in prayer, and in thanksgiving, and in praise, and in worship, and spending time in your Bible, and fellowshipping with other believers, Right? being part of a good Bible-based community, church, right? Um, And if that's the case, even when we're disobedient, because we're in relationship with Jesus and we know the word of God, we'll know the answers, even if we're the problem. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. The situation's getting worse. Jonah is the only one on the ship who knows the one true God. So they asked Jonah, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm for us? They believe that the man who knows God, walks with God, knows the one true God, will have the answers. And that proves to be correct. Verse 12. Jonah says, verse 12. Verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Here we find really maybe the most pertinent point of the entire story. Here we find Jonah's repentance, okay? You recall that up to now in the first two verses, the Lord had commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh. Scholars say Nineveh was the the largest city in the world at the time. It was in complete rebellion. It had no knowledge of the one true God whatsoever. It had vile sinful practices throughout it. The Lord commanded Jonah to go preach against its wickedness for the wickedness of Nineveh had come up before the Lord It said in verse two. Jonah in complete rebellion goes the opposite way from what the Lord told him to do. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He went the opposite way, and sometimes that's what we can do as people who know the Lord, as Christians. We know what the word of God says, we know what we're called to do, and yet we can go the opposite way. We can just completely disobey the word of God, and immediately the Lord brings a violent storm, and uh, when we go, And rebel against the word of God and do our own thing. It's not going to be long before storms and difficulties and trials come into our lives. Because I'll say again, if you're in Christ today, if you're a Christian, God the Father is your heavenly father. And he loves you and he loves me. And uh, because he loves us, he disciplines us, right? Um, And discipline isn't fun because discipline will almost always come in the way of trials or hardships or difficulties, right? Um, you know, when we're disciplining our children, we're not taking them to the amusement park. We're not giving them money. Discipline is something that, that they don't enjoy, right? And it's certainly not something we enjoy. Matter of fact, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 12, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. But then he talks about the benefit of it producing a harvest of righteousness, harvest of doing what's right, if we'll be trained by it. And so, Heavenly Father, I do ask you to help us to be trained by your discipline, Father. I pray that we would repent quickly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here we find Jonah's repentance for all that he'd done. Now, what brought about this repentance? When Jonah rebelled against the Lord and refused to go to Nineveh, it was never his plan to take down a whole ship and all the sailors and everything that was on it. Now, keep in mind that in, I believe it was in verse five that they already threw all the cargo overboard. Jonah has already cost these men dearly by his disobedience. Remember, we talked about how when we're disobedient to the Lord, when we rebel against the Lord, it not only hurts us, it hurts those around us. And so Jonah's disobedience puts the whole ship in danger. And Jonah's a man of God. And uh, just like most of us as Christians, the vast majority of us, of us as Christians never, ever would want to cause harm or hurt to other people by our disobedience. But this is what the Bible teaches, right? You remember when the Apostle Paul said uh, to the Corinthians that, you know, when one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And one, one part of the body of Christ suffers Or one part of the body of Christ rejoices, all parts rejoice with it. So we're all connected as believers in Jesus Christ. And certainly those who are closest to us, those we're in relationship with, those who are in fellowship with, those who are in church with us and friends and family, spouses, children, um, those who are connected with us will often suffer as bad or worse than us when we're in rebellion. And so again, Jonah just thought he would go disobey the Lord and it would be on him. But here he puts the entire ship in danger. That was never his intention. And so we see now the this, this incredible repentance, this 180 by Jonah. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, verse 12, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah acknowledges that it's his fault. And I've said before, repentance is the greatest tool in our toolbox. All we do is go to the Lord. And if we've hurt someone else or if we've wronged someone else, we go to them. And in this chapter, Jonah goes to the people he's wronged. And the next chapter, he's going to go to the Lord and repent of his wrongdoing. But we just we just go and we say we missed it. We messed up, and sometimes we'll just have uh, we'll have so much pride in us that it's it's just very hard for us to do that. Sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we're wrong. Jonah says, "I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you." Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, I have my. Uh, I have my uh, stopwatch going here. So that's what I'm doing is it, it went off and uh, it shows me how long I've been going. I guess it's 20 minutes now. So um, wherever we are today in whatever areas of our life where we have been disobedient to the word of God, all we need to do is repent. And when we repent, we'll never know the blessing that can come from our repentance when Jonah repents and this is the beginning of his repentance, we're going to see here in a few verses that the entire boat, all of these men who never knew the one true God, in Jonah's repentance are going to come to know the one true God. They're going to be saved. We're going to see him in heaven. And perhaps the greatest observation my uh you know, my sister in in Bible study had had pointed out to me, Um, you know, and we see Jonah as a type of Christ here, right? Jonah is willing to sacrifice himself on, on behalf of the sailors. And that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus gave his life. Now, the difference between Jonah and Jesus is Jesus never did anything wrong. Jesus was never sinful. Jonah obviously was sinful and disobedient in what in his rebellion against God. But like Jesus, Jonah is willing to sacrifice his own life that the boat would be saved. And Jesus gave his life so that everyone in the world would be saved, right? The famous verse in John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So you can see the that Jonah is a type or a shadow of Jesus here, right? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So that's the, the tremendous beginning of Jonah's repentance, And that's all we got to do is acknowledge it today. Just acknowledge wherever we've missed it. If you've never given your life to Jesus, just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for how I've been thinking. I'm sorry I've been trying to get to you. I'm sorry, uh, God, that I'm, I'm trying to get to you, Father, by my own good works and by my own life. I know that nothing I do can save me now. I know that my hope and trust has to be in Jesus Christ. When we repent, it begins in our thinking. In any way that we're not thinking in line with the scriptures and what the word of God says, we repent of our thinking. We change our mind and believe what the Bible says, as opposed to believing against what the Bible says, believing what the world says, believing what anything else says, right? If you're believing anything today and it's in contradiction to the Bible, then you want to repent over that. And I want to repent. We want to believe the word of God. Then after we believe the word of God, we want it to go from belief to action, right? And so again, repentance uh, begins in our thoughts and our thinking and our mind, and then it works its way from our mind into our heart, out into our actions, right? So Jonah's repentance comes with an action. He does acknowledge what he's done is wrong in his thinking. He says very clearly that I acknowledge I'm the cause of the problem. And that's an example to us. But then there's an action. Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. And uh, that's a radical repentance by Jonah, right? I'm willing to take the consequence for all this. And man, that's just hard, right? Sometimes we're willing to repent in our in our mouth and with our words, but but, but we don't want to undergo the consequence. But Jonah is willing to do that, right? Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 13. The men don't want to do this, okay? Jonah's repentance is so alarming to them. The genuineness of his repentance kind of takes them back. Look what they say. Verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Wow. Jonah gave them the word of God. When Jonah spoke to them and told them what to do, it was the word of God. We can obviously understand, Leah, why they didn't want to do it, right? We don't want to just throw this guy overboard. He's taken responsibility. He said he was sorry. The men disobey the word of God that came out of Jonah's mouth, and look what happens. Instead, the men there bid their best to row back to land. Jonah told them what needed to be done. They try to do the opposite. They try to do it in their own strength. They tried to calm the storm in their own strength. Whatever the storms are in your life today and mine, they cannot be calmed in our own strength. It'll never work. Right, May? Instead, the men there did their best to row back to land. In What way are you doing your best to row back to land but are not following the word of God? In any manner and in any way today, that you're not obeying the word of God, following the word of God, walking in the word of God, trusting in the word of God, believing in the word of God, we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to believe the word of God. We have to obey the word of God and do what the Bible says, even when it's hard. And Sometimes it is hard and I fail over and over and over again. And that's where we repent over and over and over again. And the more we repent, the better we get at it, right? The more we want to obey Jesus and walk with him. And remember, none of our obedience saves us. Nothing, nothing. We're not doing any of this to get to heaven, right? We get to heaven by trusting completely and totally in what Christ has done for us. But as Christians, we want to walk with Jesus. We want to please him. We want to love him. We want to obey him. We have a heart to repent where we fall short and oftentimes you know we'll try everything else before just doing what the word of god says and it'll never work it makes things worse when we try to do things against the word of god against the heart of jesus things only get worse and and often we'll try a lot of different things instead of just going to christ we'll run to the world we'll run to the pleasures of the world we'll run, we'll run to Facebook or Instagram or Netflix or, you know, we'll run to alcohol or pornography or whatever the issue is. Oftentimes we'll run into different sinful behaviors before we'll just run to the word of God. We always try to fix things in our own way instead of just going to Jesus, going to the scriptures, right? Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Look what it says. But they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. When we will not obey the word of God, things just get worse and worse. So, Father, I ask you to help us. I ask you to help us one and all. Help me and help us all, Lord Jesus, to just just obey your word, to humble ourselves before you and just obey the living word of God. Lord, not only for our benefit, but for those around us. Lord, we do want the storms and the difficulties and the trials and the hardships to stop. So, Lord, if in any way, anything we're doing in our storms today, Lord, just show us, Holy Spirit, convict us that we might humble ourselves and run to your loving arms, Lord Jesus. And obey you. Mm. Verse 14. Then they cried to the Lord. And here we're gonna see the incredible conversion of these men. It's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Then they cried to the Lord. Now remember, all these sailors were pagan unbelievers. Then they cried to the Lord. Quote, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Jonah's willingness to testify to the truth, Jonah's willingness to repent, this radical repentance of Jonah, accompanied by this radical action, leads the entire ship to know the one true God. You will never know, and I will never know, the power of what radical repentance can do in our lives. Jonah's repentance is going to have a far greater blessing. Look at this. Jonah's repentance will bring a far greater blessing than what his sin did. The men lost their cargo, right? They had to throw the cargo overboard, I believe is verse five, right? But when Jonah repents... Although they lost the the physical cargo, these men will come to know the one true God. So the problems we cause ourselves and others in our disobedience, we serve such a merciful God that our heavenly father, when we repent, the blessing that will come with our repentance will oftentimes be far greater than the discipline that came With our sin. Do you see that principle here? It is profound. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. I just. Then they cried to the Lord. They're not crying out to their gods anymore. The time of that has ended. If you're crying out to any God but Jesus... If you're crying out to any God and it's not in Jesus Christ, let that time come to an end. That time came to an end for these sailors. The time of crying out to false gods had ended. And it's time for us to stop crying out to false gods. Certainly that means if you're in any other religion and you don't have Jesus Christ living in your heart, if you don't know God the Father through Jesus Christ, if you don't know God the Son, Jesus Christ, if you don't know the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, cry out today, O oh Lord, O oh Lord Jesus, give yourself to the Lord Jesus. Like these men who just a few verses earlier were crying out to their gods and they could do nothing, cry out to the one true God in Jesus Christ today, Oh Lord. And if you're a Christian today and you know the one true God and you're running to all the other false gods of the world, again, the false gods of, you know, all the things that the world has to offer us, the false gods of pride, the false gods of vanity, the false gods of riches and money, right? Whatever we're trusting in today or giving our lives to today, whatever that pagan God is in your life and mine, repent and say, oh, Lord. Then they cried to the Lord, oh, Lord. Then they cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, O Lord. Look at this. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. They got right theology. They all of a sudden know the sovereignty of God, right? The doctrine of the sovereignty of God means that the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are completely omnipotent, all powerful. They can do anything omniscient. They know everything, which means they can't learn anything. And they're omnipresent. They're everywhere at all times. And they do as they please. Ultimately, when they ordain something, it will happen. Okay? For you, O Lord, have done as you please. These men get right with the Lord. And they proclaim that this is happening because he's done it. And man, that's a view that we in the church today really need to understand. That we serve a sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Wherever you are today, if you're in Jesus Christ, he knows where you are. He loves you unconditionally. He's using everything for your good and for the transformation of your character, right? Those two verses go together, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Um, For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. For those he foreknew, he predestined. That word for means they're connected, right? Right. uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, right? So everything is working that we'd be conformed to be more like Jesus. It's exciting. It's painful going through it. Verse 15. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. If we'll repent today and obey the word of God in whatever way we need to, the sea will grow calm. Our Father will bring a calm in our lives when our repentance is genuine. It's throughout the Word of God. When you go through and study the seven churches of Revelation, Jesus is consistently telling five of the churches to repent, to repent, to repent. And then he tells them if they don't repent. So the good news is it's not whatever we're doing that's out of place. It's that if we're unwilling to repent, that the discipline of our Father remains and comes on our lives. So, Wherever we are today, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Our heavenly Father will bring a loving calm to our lives if we will repent, and if you don't know Jesus Christ today as your Savior, as Charles Spurgeon said, when uh, right Jose, when when Jesus. This is a picture that Jesus was thrown into the sea of God's wrath. And then when Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ hit the sea of the wrath of God, it all became calm. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know Jesus so that the wrath of God does not come on your life? If you don't know him, go back on the tape and we talked about how to receive Jesus as your only Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The raging sea grew calm. Father, I do ask you to help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to just uh, to obey your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict us, give us eyes that see and ears that hear where we're not living according to the word of God, that we might repent and that the raging sea might grow calm in every aspect of our lives. Verse 16, look at this. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They weren't fearing the storm anymore. They were fearing the one true God. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, not the sea anymore. You remember in uh, Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41, when Jesus calms the storm? In verse 41, it says that the disciples were terrified and asked, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They don't... They're not afraid of the sea anymore. The sea is calm. In Matthew 4, I'm sorry, in Mark 4, 35 to 41. And the disciples are not terrified of the sea, but of Jesus. Verse 16. The raging sea is calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. You see this? Again, they're not fearing the sea anymore. The the sea is calm. But they're greatly fearing the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Jonah's repentance led the entire boat to faith in the one true God. They vowed to serve the one true God. They made a sacrifice. Apparently they had some animal on the boat or whatever that they could sacrifice to the one true God. Oftentimes our repentance will come with some sacrifice, right? What does it mean that this, the men, greatly feared the Lord? We've kind of watered down the doctrine of the fear of the Lord. Of course, it does mean to live in awe and respect of the triune God, but it also does mean to be afraid. It does mean to be afraid. Now, hear me. You should never be afraid that your father's going to send you to hell if you're in Jesus Christ. If you're in Jesus Christ, you need not fear the punishment of hell in any way, okay? All your sin was paid for by Christ. And just like any loving parent, when their child is disobedient, that child shouldn't be afraid that you're going to stop being their parent and disown them forever, right? No rational parent disowns their child when they're disobedient, nor will our father. But that's not what I mean when I say be afraid. You should not be afraid for your eternal soul if you're in Jesus Christ. That's sealed in Christ. But what you ought to be afraid of is his discipline. You ought to be afraid that he he is the all-powerful, all-knowing God. He lives in us. His spirit lives in us. So he knows everything we've done. And again, as a loving father, he will bring painful discipline and storms into our life. And so that's what we ought to be afraid of, right? Just like a child is afraid that that their parent is going to bring the belt are going to ground them, are going to discipline them in ways that are very unpleasant. Right, Nick? I mean, we don't want our father's discipline. So again, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. We need to get back to a place in the church where we greatly fear the Lord. We've gotten a little cavalier in that, right, Nathan? Verse 17, and we end here. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. But the Lord provided. The men had assumed Jonah would be killed. They asked for forgiveness for killing him. They go through this whole speech. None of it happens. We just obey the word of God. You don't know how it'll turn out. The Lord knows when you're obeying the word of God, Jonah doesn't die. Jonah's actually going to ultimately fulfill what the Lord told him to do in the first two verses, right? But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. You remember in uh, in Matthew, what is it, sixteen? Right? What is it, verses one through one through four, where Jesus actually speaks and references Jonah? Right. The greatest compliment in the world to Jonah is that God the Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, spoke of Jonah. Said this is real. Remember, Jesus said. Just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man spent three days and three nights in the earth, right? And so we see again, verse 17 is a picture of what our Savior and King Jesus did for us, right? But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, but the Lord provided, but the Lord provided. If you'll obey the word of God today, the Lord will provide, beginning with your salvation the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and you ultimately go into heaven when you die. But he'll provide everything for you. When we repent and obey the living, incredible word of God, our Lord will provide. But the Lord provided. What's the great fish you need provision for today? What is your need of provision today? Go back. Look where the Holy Spirit is leading you to repent. Wherever it is in your life. Right. It could be spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, wherever we are, wherever we're not living in line with the living word of God. Repent and the Lord will provide whatever it is you need. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for this incredible book of Jonah. We thank you for this first chapter of Jonah. Father, I confess that uh, you know there's so much more in this chapter that uh, I have failed to, to teach. And uh, I pray you would just reveal it to us, Holy Spirit, by your mercy more and more and more and more. We thank you for the living word of God. We ask you to help us, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that see and ears to hear where we need to repent and receive your provision and your love, Father. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that, that you were thrown over for us, Lord, that we might know you and have relationship with you and have our sins forgiven, that you were thrown into the raging storm for us, Jesus. You were thrown into the storm of God's wrath. Father, we love you and we bless you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.